But the truth is, it's the very opposite. Executives want us to take things that are smart and fancy and complicated, and they want us to make those things very simple and easy for them to understand. And so with assertiveness, that's what you're trying to get to. You're not trying to get to, am I right or are you right? You're trying to get to what is the question that we're solving for and balancing your team's needs and my team's needs and the needs of this project. What outcome feels better overall for the work and the mission? Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's so good to be here. If you're new, welcome. I'm Jess. I'm a career coach. I'm here to help you feel really confident and build wild success in your corporate career. And I'm excited because today's episode is a continuation of last week's episode. I had this idea for an episode. I was going to walk you through the five skills that'll make you unstoppable in meetings. And I spent a total of like 40 plus minutes just covering skills number one and number two last week. So this week, I'm going to be covering the rest of the skills. And I know that I will be able to cover more (laughs) skills faster in this episode because some of the ones I'm talking about, I've talked about quite a bit on the podcast. So you're probably going to be a bit familiar with these if you've been listening. Before I dive in, I want to let you know that Doors to the Art of Speaking Up Academy are open, and I'm so excited to invite you in. Doors to the Academy are going to be open until November 18th at 5 p.m. Pacific time, and I would love for you to join me inside the Academy. It is a six-month program designed to help you grow your confidence and master the core skill set of executive communication so that you can be very effective in meetings and demonstrate to the leaders around you that you are highly promotable and that you can handle more. My goal is to accelerate your path to leadership, to put you on an accelerated career trajectory. And I know that meetings play such a crucial role in doing that. And I don't want you to let fear or self-doubt or self-consciousness or imposter syndrome stop you from using meetings as a place where people get to see the full breadth of your talents so that they can understand that you are someone that needs to be pushed upwards in the organization. In my view, the talent is there. It is about helping you learn to express it effectively in meetings. And that is what I am supporting you in doing inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy. Like I said, doors are open until November 18th, and you can learn much more about the program and view the entire curriculum at justguzzitcoaching.com slash academy, which I will also put in the show notes. And throughout this entire episode, the themes I'm talking about, these themes that I've been talking about in these past two episodes are the modules of the Art of Speaking Up Academy. So if what I'm sharing in today's episode feels highly relevant to you, if the objectives that I'm sharing are objectives that you want to have for yourself in terms of your career and what you're able to accomplish in meetings, 
then the Academy is probably a very strong fit for you. I would love to have you join us. Like I said, you can learn more at jessicasatcoaching.com slash academy. Now let's dive in to the remaining three items on the list of the five things that will make you unstoppable in meetings. Okay. So I'll give you the overview of what they are. They are executive communication, leadership, and assertiveness. And we're going to start with executive communication. I've talked about this quite a lot in recent episodes. So I'm going to keep this one really brief, but it is not because this is not important. And in fact, for anyone who is very ambitious, who really wants to be on an accelerated career path, who struggles with feeling nervous in meetings and who who doesn't feel like they feel strong and powerful in meetings, I believe that executive communication is the most important starting point. Executive communication is where your content and the way you speak is so sharp, so concise, and so effective that you could put it in front of the most experienced, smart, capable executives, and they would be impressed by it. The reason that I know so much about executive communication is because in my corporate career, my work went to executives. I would share my work with the chief strategy officer, sometimes the chief finance officer, sometimes the chief executive officer. And often after they had seen my work, they would take it and share it with the board of directors, which is almost like their higher level boss in order to get buy-in and approval. And so I have a deep understanding of executive communication that comes from years of doing this type of work for this level of audience. And what I'm intimately aware of and familiar with is what these audiences need to see in order to be impressed. Now, whether your work is going in front of CEOs or not, when your work is CEO quality, you will stand out like crazy. This is a huge distinguisher. And part of the reason I recommend it's one of the first things that you focus on if you struggle with confidence, if you struggle with feeling nervous in meetings, is because being a good executive communicator doesn't require you to feel amazing. It doesn't require you to have that natural feeling of inner strength inside. It is something that you can start doing right away, right? So in the episode before this, I talked about confidence. I talked about executive presence. Those pieces are more internal. Those pieces really require you to have a shift inside in terms of how solid and strong you feel internally. Executive communication is much more technical, right? It's much more just about learning the foundations and applying them, which is wonderful because that tends to have the side effect of growing your confidence and growing that internal feeling inside of like, I am capable, I am strong, I can do this. And so what I'm trying to say is executive communication is both highly learnable and highly impactful. So that's why it is such a smart thing to focus on because no matter what situation that you're in, no matter what your struggle is, no matter what your starting point is, I believe you can get very good at executive communication very quickly. And the other thing that I love about executive communication is that the best and strongest executive communication is simple. And when you get really good at communicating simply, It is hugely, hugely helpful when it comes to nervousness and when it comes to you trying to take up space in meetings despite feeling nervous. 
one of the things that prevents us from having a strong presence and and sounding bold when we are speaking is that our content feels overwhelming to us. It feels overwhelming for us to share our content. We get overwhelmed by the thought of, how do I explain this? Executive communication gives us the tools we need to simplify so that we don't feel overwhelmed by the ideas that we need to communicate. So even though executive communication is so technical and it's so much about the words, it often has the side effect of growing your confidence and decreasing your nervousness because when you get good at executive communication, you streamline things. And then your brain is like, oh, this is so simple. This makes so much sense. I can totally explain this to my audience even if I feel nervous. And let me tell you, as someone who experiences stage fright, I'm a stage fright experiencer. I'm a stage fright sufferer. Executive communication is probably one of my number one tricks to delivering really solid work if my stage fright happens to come up on that day because what I'm sharing is so simple that I know I can deliver it no matter what. And ironically, when I have that knowing, my stage fright often isn't as intense because my brain is not looping on the fear of me getting stuck or me drawing a blank because I'm like, what I'm sharing is so streamlined. This is so easy. Now, at the core of executive communication is this idea that we think that executives want our stuff to sound really smart and fancy and complicated. But the truth is, it's the very opposite. Executives want us to take things that are smart and fancy and complicated, and they want us to make those things very simple and easy for them to understand. So executive communication is the art of taking our complicated work and making it so easy for our audience. And when it's so easy for our audience, they listen, they enjoy it, they engage, and their respect for you grows enormously. So this cannot be underestimated, right? This ability to take the complex and make it simple not only helps you feel less nervous, right? But it helps your audience internalize the information more clearly and easily. When your audience is not confused, when they see your work and they're like, yeah, that makes sense. I get it. I'm following. It's like that feeling of like, boom, boom, boom. It's making sense. It's making sense. It's making sense. Then rather than them using their brain power to try to understand what you're saying, they're using their brain power to think very deeply about your work and engage with you on a deeper level. When they engage with you on this deeper level, you have higher quality conversations, you do higher quality problem solving, and you have a disproportionate impact on your work, which is the exact thing that helps leaders trust you to take on bigger roles. I cannot emphasize this enough. When your communication is simple, effective, and clear, Your audience doesn't have to stop to say, I'm lost. Can you explain this to me? Instead, they will stop to say things like, this is very interesting work. And I'm starting to see some connections between your work and some stuff that I'm doing. Can we get into that? And you will say, yes, we can. Now what has happened is you are cultivating a deeper professional relationship and collaboration 
with a leader in your company because they didn't need to waste their brain space understanding what you were sharing. They understood it so quickly and easily that their mind went to more important, deeper topics of conversation that are going to result in a deepening of the quality of your work. This is so important. If your work is presented simply, your audience can engage more deeply. When they engage more deeply, you become not just a little bit more effective, way more effective. This can be the difference between executing a project and you just do your work and it's done and it's over and you've finished it versus doing your work and it catches the eye of a leader at your company and they're like, oh my gosh, this work is really important. Can we elevate this? Can we expand this? And then all of a sudden, something that you're working on that was one little project or one little piece of work has turned into something big. This is because they were able to see that and see the potential of what your work could be because of the simplicity with which you laid it out. As you elevate into higher roles, the problems you're solving are more and more complex. They're more interconnected. They're more complicated. And when executives can engage with your work more deeply, they can find connections between the work you're doing now and some of the really complicated things they're doing. And you get pulled into those things. And pretty soon, you get promoted out of your current role because you're working at an elevated level in terms of the quality of the problems that you are solving. All of this is unlocked and enabled by having strong executive communication skills. It's called executive communication because it's your ability to communicate with executives. And when you communicate really well with executives, they communicate back with you. And that is one of the best dynamics that you can establish in a meeting room. It is one of the fastest things that will turbocharge your career. For me personally, when I would get in a meeting room and put my work in front of an executive, they would see all the connections. They would see how it made sense for them. And as a result, I would get pulled into something. Something else would pop up. And then a few months later, a year later, two years later, I have relationships with all of these executives. And the seeds of those relationships started in those meeting rooms where I was able to show up and have the level of dialogue with them that they wanted to have with me. And then what happens is an opportunity opens up at a company and they are very comfortable saying, she can handle this because they have worked so closely with me, right? Or I'm interviewing for a role and I get the offer and they ask for references and the people on my reference list are very high level executives, I become a shoe in for the role. And I want you to understand that your ability to communicate with these audiences at this level is going to form the seeds of relationships that will have a massive, massive impact on your career. That is why I feel so strongly about executive communication. I am going to share with you two tips to get started on this. And if you join me inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy, we will take these tips and expand them and go real deep together so that you can get very good at this. But one is you want to simplify everything you're sharing, right? You don't want anything extra. You don't want any fluff. You really want it to be as simple as possible. And ask yourself, if I put this in front of a 10-year-old kid, would they understand it? Would it possibly make sense? If the answer is no, there's probably opportunity to simplify. The second is to use structure, right? So you don't want to throw out a bunch of disparate things. 
You want there to be cohesion to what you're sharing. So ask yourself, how do I link these things together? How do I structure this? How do I tell a cohesive story that makes a ton of sense for my audience? So those are two tips to get you started. And now I'm going to move into the next skill, which is assertiveness. And assertiveness is your ability to push back and have a dialogue under pressure and to maintain your perspective, right? So when we're not very good at assertiveness, typically what happens is someone disagrees with us and we get so uncomfortable in the face of that disagreement that we just let them take over and we agree with them instead of us advocating for our perspective. Now, the problem is if you don't know how to advocate for your perspective, then it becomes really hard to take on higher complexity roles and more leadership because as you advance in your career, you're going to be working on things where there are going to be more conflicting opinions and more frictions simply because the complexity of your work is going to go up. Your work is going to impact a lot more different stakeholders. So if you don't know how to be assertive when people disagree or when there's differing opinions or when things get heated in a room, then you're going to put a cap on the complexity of what type of work you can handle and or you're going to end up overworking as a way to compensate for having the ability to disagree. Because often when we don't want to be assertive and we're afraid to disagree, the workaround that we employ is I'll just do extra work on the back end and I'll make this all okay. But that becomes really unsustainable because you can only do that so much until you become overloaded, right? And often you actually have to have the hard, scary conversation and express that differing perspective rather than being like, whatever, I'll just agree with this person and I'll go fix it behind the scenes, you know, so that things still turn out okay. Once you get into the pattern of doing that, you can really overload yourself. And that's also when bigger, more complex roles in corporate will become unsustainable because you simply can't like fix everything secretly in the background instead of disagreeing with people up front. Now, the most important thing to know about assertiveness, and this is like really hard to wrap one's head around, but incredibly important, is that assertiveness does not equal adversarialness. Like being assertive doesn't mean being mean, and it doesn't mean being obnoxious. And I think that the reason that so many women get stuck with assertiveness is because I don't think that socially and culturally we have been modeled what it looks like to disagree in a way that doesn't feel like we're getting into a fight or we're being very disrespectful to each other. So I'm going to share a couple of things that can help you rethink the way that you think about assertiveness if this is something that you struggle with. But before I do that, I just want to say that when you demonstrate assertiveness in meetings, it's like the leaders in your meeting are making a mental note of like how you handle things, right? So they see you being able to handle a difficult conversation and then they know, oh, if I'm not in the room, and she gets challenged, she can handle it, right? I'm seeing her handle it. Therefore, I don't have to always be in the room. Therefore, I can give her bigger things and I don't have to be there because I'm seeing that she can do this. So you can see really clearly how assertiveness can free up your boss to trust you with more, which is a huge 
ingredient, again, that accelerates you into promotions and leaderships because they see she can probably handle that. I don't need to be there to handle the tough conversation on her behalf because she's showing me that she can do it. Okay, so I'm going to share with you a couple of things that are going to make assertiveness hopefully not feel awful. The first thing that I'm going to share is that whenever you are disagreeing with someone, it's never about whether they're right or whether you're right. This is so important. And you're probably thinking like, that's exactly what it is, Jessica. Like I'm saying something, they're disagreeing and one of us is right. But it is that thought that's making assertiveness feel so icky and frustrating and hard for you, right? So what actually is the truth in this situation is that both of you are trying to find what's best for the overall company project and mission. It is not about whether you're right or whether they're right. You both work for the same company. You are both microcosms within one organization. So technically, there is one option that if the CEO of your company was watching you have this disagreement with this other person, the CEO of your company would look at that and be like, okay, this is the option that I think is better overall, balancing the two objectives of these humans, right? And so with assertiveness, that's what you're trying to get to. You're not trying to get to, am I right or are you right? You're trying to get to what is the question that we're solving for and balancing your team's needs and my team's needs and the needs of this project. What outcome feels better overall for the work and the mission? This is a very different way of approaching something because it's no longer personal. It's no longer about like the ego question of like, am I right or am I wrong? I hope I'm right so I can feel good. It's like, oh, we encountered a friction. We encountered a road bump. We encountered a place where like we can't both have what we want in this this situation. We need to figure out the best path forward and we need to figure that out together. And maybe it's a little sticky and maybe it's a little hard, but it's not because like either of us is wrong or right. It's just because like we found this weird road bump and now we solve it. And so when you are in a conversation where there's disagreement, just think about like you're not solving it as you you're solving it as the CEO. If the CEO was watching this exchange, what direction would they take it in and why? And that can really help it feel less personal and less like about you being right and you experiencing rejection and like all of this, all of these very triggering, very personal, very sticky emotions. So that's the first thing I will say about assertiveness. The second thing that I will say is that disagreement and obstacles and frictions almost always tend to result in a better outcome. So when I would put, let's say, a slide in front of an executive and they would say, this is wrong, this isn't good, early on in my career, I would feel very triggered by that. And I would take it really personally and I would think that I had done something wrong. And as I got later into my career, I would get excited when someone would say something like that because what it would mean to me is like, we're about to uncover something juicy. Like if you just agree with everything I say or put in front of you, I might skip over the important things or we might not see something that's going to bite us in the butt two months later, right? So whenever someone would challenge something, For me, I'd think like, oh, this is an opportunity to make this more robust, to find yet another place where I can make this waterproof. It's almost like I'm building, let's say, a jar that's designed to hold water. 
And I want my jar to be totally waterproof, but my I know my jar has leaks in it. And every time someone disagrees with me, they're pointing out a leak. And if I engage with them on a conversation about that leak, I will be able to fix it and make my jar better. So it's like, I know my jar is leaky. I know my work isn't perfect. I know organizations are complicated. I know frictions come up. I know not every idea I have is going to be amazing, right? I know these things are true. We have to accept these things, right? Our work isn't perfect. It's going to have issues. When an issue gets surfaced, it's my chance to fix it. So when someone disagrees with me, And I have to have a conversation with them where I explore that and potentially put forward my point of view. There's a really good chance that if I handle that conversation with maturity and leadership, that my jar, my project is going to come out stronger and more waterproof. And I'm going to get credit for that, right? So it's not like when someone points out a problem in your work, it's like, oh, you're fired. You made a mistake. It's like you address the problem. Your work gets better you did even better, right? So I think it's a it's a huge, a huge part of this is about making the disagreement less personal and about having more of a realistic view of your work and understanding that a lot of what you do is going to have problems, not because you're not good at your job, but because when we're working inside a corporation, a company with lots of people, lots of teams, lots of overlap, lots of competing objectives, There is no way to execute perfectly and have things that are perfect. There are going to be problems everywhere. And you're not going to distinguish yourself by never having problems. You're going to distinguish yourself by being the best at solving the problems. And so when you bring that lens to assertiveness and someone disagrees with you, then it almost feels like a good thing in a way. And you're like, great, we're about to solve a problem together that I didn't know about unless this person brought it up. And like, it's good they brought it up because now I know about it and now I can address it. So that is the other piece that I'll share with you on assertiveness. And of course, there's a lot more. I have so much to say on this, but I want to move on to the final pillar on the list, which is leadership. And I want to walk you through two kinds of leadership so you can have them in mind. There is thought leadership and people leadership. And you want to be doing both in meetings. Thought leadership means that you are being a leader based on the ideas that you are putting forth. You are willing to suggest the idea that seems crazy and out there. You are willing to ask the question that everyone else is afraid to ask. The reason why this is so important is that when you're willing to suggest the crazy idea or you're willing to ask the question or say the thing that everyone's afraid to say, It is those contributions that tend to move work forward much, much faster, right? So if you're only sharing plain Jane vanilla contributions, then you're probably going to have plain Jane vanilla impact. But if you're willing to share bold, audacious things, then you have the chance to have bold, audacious impact. This is why it's so important that when you have a perspective that you don't filter it out because you're judging it as being weird or different. Because the fact that it's weird or different might be the reason why it's more effective. And you need to get credit for that because when you share the weird thing and it solves a massive problem, all of a sudden, everyone in that room saw you solve that problem. And like I said before, that is your manager, that is leaders that your company seeing, she can handle a lot. She's really pushing this forward. It helps them make the decision to bet on you and to support you. And so thought leadership can feel scary 
It can feel scary to say the thing that's different than what everyone else in the room is saying. But if people are stuck in a room and you have a solution, you can't not share it. It's like you're withholding something useful from your audience and you're withholding something useful from yourself because it supports your career. So that is thought leadership. It's about leading through the ideas and the bravery that underlies your contributions in meetings, and that tends to lead to outsized results. And the last kind of leadership, and I'm I'm bundling leadership into one, even though there's thought leadership and people leadership, is people leadership. You have to know how to lead people in meetings. You have to know how to get your audience inspired and invested. There is a difference, and I'm sure you've experienced this. There's a massive difference between hopping into someone's meeting, right, and it being so boring and unengaging versus hopping into someone's meeting and being like, I am so excited about this project. This is going to change so much for us. You want to be the person who is able to offer that experience to your audience. When your audience gets that level of invested, they buy into your work and support your work in a way that makes you more productive without having to put in more hours. When people are excited and invested in the work that you do, it is like you have super fuel to get more done, not because you're working harder and clocking a million hours, but because you have cross-functional and executive support behind you. This is why it is so important to know how to inspire your audience, know how to inspire an executive audience. Because when you have support from executives, that turbocharges everything, right? Like anytime you have support from someone who's very influential in an organization, it makes your life so much easier. So that is what you are trying to do with people leadership is communicate and lead your meetings in a way that really inspires people around you. And I'll give you my number one hack for doing this, which is you want to focus on what they are excited about, not yourself, right? So your audience has their own goals, their own projects, their own focus, their own stressors. I, I mean this with so much love, but they don't really care about your stuff. They only care about it in however it impacts them. And this is a beautiful thing because you get to take the focus off of yourself and think about what does my audience care about and how do I speak to them and share my work in a way where it feels very relevant to them and the things they care about. And when you do that, your audience tends to be much more invested in, excited about, and engaged in your work. And particularly if you have an executive audience of leaders, right? If you can show them the connection between your work, your content, your projects, your focus, and what they care about, all of a sudden their ears will perk up, they will stop checking email on their laptop, and they will focus on what you are saying. And that is one of the most valuable results you can create because you will have their attention, their engagement, their support, and this will make you so much more effective. So I've shared a lot with you in this episode. I've talked about executive communication. I've talked about assertiveness. And I've talked about two kinds of leadership, thought leadership and people leadership. If these are topics that you want to go deeper into, you will get a very in-depth education in all of these inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy. It is a six-month program for a reason because I'm covering these very big 
pillars of communication skills. And each month we cover a different one of the ones that I've been talking about in these episodes. So if you want to become a very sharp executive communicator so that you can have high level conversations with your audience, if you want to get much better at being assertive in a way that feels authentic and in a way that doesn't feel like icky and like you're attacking your audience. And if you want to grow your leadership and become more of a thought leader and more of a people leader in meetings so that you can show people that you can handle more, I would love to have you join me inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy where I will be supporting you in growing those skills. We will get to spend six months together meeting nearly every week, diving into frameworks, tools, content, and coaching to help you take your journey so much deeper so that you can blossom and evolve into a powerful, confident leader. If you would like to join me inside the Academy, doors are open until November 18th. And you can learn more and enroll at justguessitcoaching.com slash academy, which I will link below. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is a joy and pleasure to have you listening. And I will catch you in next week's episode. Bye.